Let's, um, let's turn to Acts. I, I said to Tyler and Matt, because you know, they're always trying to plan what to do in the service, they, they were, I was going to do Acts 5, 6, and 7, and then I prepared a sermon, and I've, I'm lucky to get through Acts 5. Okay, as it is. Sorry, guys. The series is going to take us longer than we thought. But it's okay. We're just reading the Bible. So, um, so go to Acts 5. Actually, we might even go to a little bit in Acts 4. But if you want to just get that ready, um, I'm not going to go through all my preambles again. Um, apologies to anyone here for the first time, guys in the front here. Like it's mm, Sermon 4, okay, in the series, anyone else? But you know, hopefully these will stand alone as well. Um, but absolutely key, okay, absolutely key to the series um, is, that, is that this book is, is true for us in this house, okay? It is true. I don't have my truth. Okay, I, I have this book. And this book has to set the standard for my life. It has to be my truth. Okay, and I'm going to say that a hundred times before this series is finished. But this has to be true for us. It has to be our guide. And it's really tempting as we go through Acts that we read things and we read this in other parts of the Bible, but I think particularly in Acts because it just happens over and over and over again. That we can be tempted in our faith to read things in here that don't match our experiences and so we start to shape our theology towards our experiences. Okay? And what we need to do is let this book shape us and not the other way around. Okay? So... Um, when I, as I've said before, when I, when, I, when, I, when I read this book, when we read this book, I want us to think of it as normative, okay? I want it to be the example that Jesus set for us. Okay. I'm going to keep saying that until you guys believe me. Okay. Um, a, a priest that Kath and I uh, worshipped under in, in England, one of the most humble men I know on the planet, he used to say... Just when, when the Lord tells you something, just keep saying it so often until people start coming up to you and talking to you as if it was their idea. You know, you just you have to make it as part of their personality. So Acts is normative for us. So I really rushed the end of Acts four. You would have noticed last week. You know, I skipped over a whole lot of my sermon. Um, so I just want to go back to a few verses. Acts four verses thirty two. Um, some of these final verses, just 32 and 33. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. I'm going to come back to serving and giving. That's in uh, verse 32 later in the series. But I, I wanted to focus on that 33rd verse. Um, where my translation is different to Mass, but my translation talks about this great grace, abundant grace, overwhelming grace. Might be other translations that we have. Great grace. Um, and the reason why um, I asked Matt to read Zechariah 4, if you want to go back to that, um, back in the Old Testament, Zechariah 4, this might seem like quite a, an odd connection to make. But as we think about Acts, 
and the, the way that God moves and the way the Holy Spirit moves. I want us to see the way that God actually he sets us up for us in this vision in Zechariah. Zechariah 4, the angel, you know, he's, he, he has eight visions of Zechariah. This, I think, is his fourth vision. And the angel says, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, a great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and you shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. And I mentioned in the first sermon in the series that we don't see anything in Jesus' instructions, we don't see anything in Acts 1 you know, that we've done so far, where we see the disciples going and writing a business plan. They don't go and form a zealot camp, they don't form a, a military base. There's so little of man in this record. Right? And what what's, um, Zerubbabel was doing, what Zechariah was speaking to about, what the angel was saying through Zechariah, his task was to build the temple. Okay? He was the man in charge of rebuilding the temple. And he was facing opposition. The Samaritans and others were, were causing the building to halt. And the angel of the Lord says... Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Not by anything you do will my temple be built, but by my spirit will it be built. And all I need you to do is to speak grace, grace against the mountains. Okay, grace, grace against the obstacles to my kingdom. In other words, you speak in faith what I've already called you to do, and I will move. God will move. And of course, when we get to Acts, in case the connection is not already clear, what, we're, what we are seeing in Acts is God building the temple. Okay? He's building the temple of believers, 1 Corinthians, okay? That we are temples of the Holy Spirit. He's building the temple in the sense that we are all living stones of the temple. And what we see happen in Acts 4 what we see Luke record is that God was moving in grace, abundant grace. So when we have grace once, what we know grace to be, unmerited favor of God, the forgiveness of our sins, salvations that is unearned, okay? When we have this grace upon grace, we're talking about God's power to do more than that, beyond that. So when we get to grace in Acts, what we are seeing is God building his temple again. And he's doing it in such a way, and this is so important, that it's outside of the disciples' control. And this is such an important message for us as we go into Acts 5 and we see more opposition, um, that when we run churches, we need them to be in the power of God and not by man's plans. Okay, so to remind us about God's power, Acts 2 33, we're told the apostles performed many signs and wonders. In Acts 3, we have the healing of the lame man. In Acts 4, 31, we're told that they, are, they pray for boldness and are readful, filled with the Spirit. And with great power, they give witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. As we go through Acts, the Spirit and power are synonymous. Okay. And the church. Like the, we, do, we can't separate those things out. And then it gets weird. Acts 5, 
But a certain man, man named Ananias, with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also had been aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own to control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter had answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to, to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. So fortunately, we don't hear these sorts of stories very often, do we? Okay, this one's just a little freaky. The, the closest story that I have to this uh, is from a pastor who was giving a prophetic word while on an airplane. And the Lord said to him, the man sitting next to you is having an affair, and I need you to confront him. And the pastor said, no, I'm not doing that. And the, he heard the Lord say, if you do not intervene, he will die. And he will die in his sin. I don't know if the Lord was going to judge him and bring that about, but the Lord saw this is what he declared was going to happen. In that case, the man said, all right, I definitely will. And by the end of the flight, their marriage was restored. Quick, cool story. But this is... Um, This is one of those stories, you'll never find someone at King in Life, you know, saying something like this. <laughs> I don't know, you know, we don't have detail here. Did Peter know this was gonna happen? Did he just speak it out and then it happened? And he was like, whoa, you know, that was weird. Like, we don't, we don't have the context, except he doesn't seem to be surprised. And there's so much here, but the thing that I'd, I just want to pull out, something really simple as one of the themes for tonight's talk, is as we read Acts, there are these stories, okay, that are amazing, signs and wonders, and we're going to look at one of, one of them tonight. And I'm saying to you, I want you to desire these things. I want you to see that this is normal for the Christian life. I want you to be excited by the power of God moving. And don't settle for less. Like, let it, let, it, let it pull you into the Lord. Let it birth hunger in you. And, you know, we, we might go to churches. You know, at Taylor this past week we had, um, what's it called? The week, what's the week? 
spiritual renewal week. Yeah, thank you. Wow, COVID brain. And it's great because we want revival, don't we? Like we cry out for revival. Okay, but, but the, one of the things I want us to think about is do we actually want revival? Okay. This, man, if people come up here and 100% of them are healed, I want revival. Okay. If someone comes up here and, and, and the Lord calls them out and they die, and I also sin, I don't want that part. And some of the things the Lord does can be hard. Where's Caleb? Caleb's here. You know, um, a while back, we had a service, and it was a great service, and the Lord moved powerfully, and we had some people here for the first time um, that Caleb brought. And this person met Jesus. And in meeting Jesus, there was stuff um, that needed to be sorted out, and it was demonic. And that led to some noise and some shrieking. And you know what? 15, 20 minutes later, she was free. And she is a different person today. The way that the Lord is moving through and flowing through, and it is beautiful. But there were people there tonight, sorry, that night, who will never come back to this church because it freaked them out. And I understand that. But like we have a choice. Do we want to be a place where the Lord can move, the Holy Spirit can move, and people can be set free? And it might look a bit weird sometimes. Or do we want it to be in the way that we want it to be, under our control? Because if we say to the Holy Spirit, Lord, you can come, and we want revival, but can you please just do it in exactly the way that we want to? You know, I think he might honor us a little but I'm not sure we're going to see the full might of what he has for us. And I don't know what Peter thought, but I do know that this caused fear. And it caused awe. I, I've had the, the privilege of experiencing God so many times in so many ways. And I've experienced his holiness in a way that has driven me to my knees, that I, that I just I have to worship him because of his holiness. But I've, I know people, and something I've never had is, is an experience of God's mightiness that leaves you shaking with reverent fear. This has happened to my wife. This has happened to some other people I know. But you encounter the absolute glory of God. Well, not absolute, because that would kill you. But, you know, a, a portion of the absolute glory of God that leaves you in absolute fear and awe-inspired fear. And this is our God, and he is powerful. But the story, you know, it sobers me. If I'm going to cry out for revival, if I'm going to ask for the Holy Spirit, if I'm going to ask for this book to be normative, am I, am I, am I really willing for him to be him? him to do what he wants to do. And, and, and each of us individually has to ask that question. And I said last week, I, like, without doubt, I'm going to find ways to offend you in this series. And I'm not sorry about that, okay? Feel free to come back and offend me afterwards too, okay? But like, it, the, the gospel should be offensive to us because we're not there yet. We don't understand the power and the glory of this book. 
And you know, the reality is the Holy Spirit doesn't like masks. He doesn't like hypocrisy. He doesn't like us pretending. There might be things he just wants to strip out of us. And sometimes it might not be pretty. And sometimes it might just look like confession. And that's vulnerable, you know. And I hope, <laughs> I hope as I say this, I'm not scaring you, because I really do want you to be excited for the Spirit and the things of the Spirit and the things of Jesus. Let's keep reading um, in Acts 5. And the next chapter, the next section is called, guess, continuing power. Okay, we, it's like this theme just keeps coming back and back. And through the hands and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by, by might fall on them. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So now, so now we, do, like, we just get a little bit, a slightly high level of crazy here. Right? In Jewish law, for some Jewish leaders, okay, your shadow was a part of your physical body. And so if you, if you were to get so close to a leper, not just that you would touch him, but if your shadow would touch him, you would be considered unclean. Okay? And what, what the Spirit is doing here is completely flipping that around. Now again, it like doesn't tell us exactly what happened, but bear this in mind. Peter is not going to these people like he did the layman. He's not saying get up and walk. He's not declaring healing. He's just walking his shadow, touching people. Is restoring them. His shadow. Does that like just sound so far out there? We have no idea like where to put that. Is it that there was so much of the Holy Spirit in Peter that it was just kind of spilling out of him? <laughs> that he just had to look at people and they would be healed because of the expression of the power of the Lord and the love of the Lord coming through him? And Caleb, you talked about being in India and being in some other places. Heidi Baker working in Mozambique, there's some pretty awful places. There's some pretty awful places in Marion and Muncie. And what would it look like if you're walking through the supermarket or you're walking down the street and just as you pass someone, they are healed or they are restored just because of the presence of the Lord flowing out of you? There is nothing in this book that can tell you that that's not supposed to happen anymore. And if anyone tells you that, that's a theology that they've created. You cannot find the words in this book to tell you that that is not something that is actually possible today. Right? And there are accounts of men and women where this has happened. Okay? Smith Wigglesworth, you know, I talk about him occasionally. Several accounts of him walking through villages and towns and people just bring the sick out on the street and he would just walk past and they would stand up restored because of the power of God flowing out of him. He's just a man. He's just a man. Peter was just a man. And this is a little crazy, but is it going to draw us into him? No, but once again, unfortunately, but to be expected, 
we have a reaction. So we read on, verse 17. And I'm, for the t- sake of time, I'm going to cut um, through this a bit. Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. I love that. You know, don't go run away. Just go back and start preaching again. And skipping down to verse 27. There's this whole dialogue. They're not there where they're gone and then they find them preaching again. And they're brought back by the gods. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. Which is funny because that's the thing they said to Pilate, let his blood be on us, funnily enough. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. And I'm going to skip down. Gamaliel steps in, and he says to the council, And now I say to you, keep away from these men, and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. These men are bold. These men are no longer hiding. If you go back to Acts 2 and you think through what happens in Acts 2, we know in Acts 2 the Holy Spirit comes the church explodes. We know that they are gathered and they are preaching. And it's, they're basically ignored, is what we can tell from Scripture. And it's when Peter heals, and Jesus heals the layman through Peter, they pay attention. Okay, because these are no longer just words. These are no longer men just making a claim about someone they think, you know, they say was raised from the dead. But now the power of God is manifest. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they cannot ignore the power of God manifested through the name of Jesus. And we see the same thing here again, that the power of God breaks out and they cannot ignore it because now it's not just men testifying, it's the Spirit of God testifying. And the Spirit, this is what Acts says to us, this is what it sets for us. The Spirit of God is the testimony of Jesus. He reveals Jesus. And our churches should be places of power. But what Acts unfortunately also shows for us, and we're going to see this again next week, taken to a a greater level, 
is that opposition always arises. Opposition arises, and the same as in Acts 2 and Acts 3. We will see later that the world opposed the church, but it's religion. Okay, it's religion that opposes the Spirit first. Again, these are the men who should have known Jesus, who should have known that he was the Messiah. These are the men who should have recognized. And bear in mind, in this case, and I, you know, I skipped over some verses, this is not just the Pharisees and Sadducees. They called all the leaders of Israel. So these are all the heads of the families. This is the larger body of leaders in Israel. These are the men with political wisdom and religious wisdom, and they are rejecting the things of the Spirit. And this will unfortunately be a mark of a true revival of the Holy Spirit, that if you start to manifest the Spirit in a meaningful way, you will face opposition. And this might, this might, like I said, I really want to encourage you. Okay, next week we deal with a guy who dies, okay? So then I mean, there's parts of this book that we have to take seriously. What happens at a Christian university if you have a student who manifests a demon that they then get prayed for and they get freed? Isn't that a glorious thing? Can the university admit that they have a student who was demonically oppressed? Can parents accept that their child was possessed? Those are some awkward things to talk about. Much better to explain it through some psychological, psychotic episode. And there are faculty, I can't speak to Iwu, but there are faculty at Taylor who have faced opposition because this is something that's happened. When the Spirit moves, there will be opposition. And again, we have to ask ourselves the question, do we want it? Do we want it? Caleb, do we want it? Yeah? I can just say Caleb, because there's so many of you in this room. Okay. <laughs> Caleb's, do we want it? You know? it's <laughs> it used to be Luke's. I'm not sure what the most popular female name is. We've got a couple of Luke's actually still, but yeah. Um, like, do we want this? And I, I assure you that you can honor God and you can worship Him and you can walk with Him and you can be faithful and you can live a good life and you will go to heaven. Um, and you know, after the last time I really got hammered um, for trying to be faithful, that's what I chose to do. And I got so bored. Because yes, he's faithful, and yes, he loves me, and yes, I still encounter him. But I'm not alive with him. I'm not pursuing him with hunger. I'm not crying out for more. And I'm not seeing him move over the broken around me. And like you, like I'm tired. I'm tired of students who suffer from anxiety and fear and self-harm. And the counseling center is great. 
but I know what can heal them is God. You know, I have a rugby team. I've seen God move and touch a guy and pray on a rugby team. And his anxiety has gone like that. A guy that was on brown paper bags trying to keep himself calm, like that, didn't come back. Seven years later, hasn't come back. Like, I see God do that. And we are the church because we love Jesus, and we're the church because we gather to worship him. But you know what? Jesus establishes the church in Acts, and he sends his spirit, and the spirit is a witness to Jesus, and that witness is one of power. And I don't know how you guys might feel about maiming a Bible. Maybe you've got an old Bible that you don't need anymore. Go through Acts and, 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 and take a, a colored pen and just cross out every time the words spirit, power, signs, wonders, or any story where there's a miracle, cross them out and see what's left of this book. All right? And then say, well, what is left of the Christian church if we don't have the Holy Spirit? Okay? Are we a shell? Are we faithful to the model that Jesus set for us? So I, I want, as we go through Acts, next week gets a little harder, but also more glorious. You know, the, 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 the reality, Jesus says in, in the Beatitudes, that if we are persecuted, we will rejoice. And the first serious type of persecution we see is them being beaten and put in prison, and they rejoice. And this, you know, this allows Peter in his epistle, 1 Peter, he talks about this abundant, glorious joy that the Spirit gives us. A man who had seen so much. So let's read this book. And let's get excited about what the Lord does. But let's not ask for revival with half hearts. Let's say, Lord, I want you in whatever way you want to do it. And know that if through that opposition comes, there's a promise of more of him. There's a promise of rejoicing. There's a promise of being filled by his spirit. And for those, I know we've got a few new people, new-ish people as well. In this house, when we talk about being filled with the spirit, baptized by the spirit, we talk about it because we see it in this book. They don't ever separate being filled with the spirit from Jesus. Okay. The filling of the Spirit is always a revelation of Jesus. And it's only by the Spirit that we'll know Jesus. And there's nothing better on this planet. And there's no greater purpose for our lives than knowing Jesus. So let's pray. And I think we've got time for a worship song as well, Tyler, if you're in the hostel. Yeah. If the worship team wants to come up. So let's pray. And then Matt, Matt might have something he wants to just pray over us as well. Um, let's pray together.
Jesus. Jesus, we, th we thank you. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for your spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would do what Jesus promised, that you would, you would lead us into truth. Holy Spirit, you will take from what is Jesus and you will reveal it to us. Lord, I ask that you would, you would birth in us a new fire and you desire for more. Well, not that we will see miracles happen. Those are amazing. But that we will be a people that manifests the church as you wanted it to be. Where you are alive and you are moving in power. And that people can encounter you. And in encountering you, they can be saved and they can be set free, and they can be healed. And they can come to know the power of the one that died for them. Lord, forgive us for every time in our lives where we've settled for a weak gospel. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your love. We thank you that it is your desire for us to walk in intimacy with you, for us to know your presence, and for your people to be a people of power by your Spirit. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen.